0: Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research and tough lessons into a curriculum. We've created one of the premier lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Now, every time I say that and I get a little bit older, I start thinking, should I edit that to 12 years ago or 15 years ago? I don't know. I guess time will tell. But this show is about you. We're here to help you become the best you can be in every area of your life. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach at the Art of Charm live programs here in L.A., check out the Art of Charm toolbox, theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we got the fundamentals of dating and attraction. So body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, business, networking, negotiation, relationship management, breakups, a lot of that stuff that's more important than you might think. Of course, along with the dating and attraction stuff and our live programs are running every week here in Los Angeles, California. Details at bootcamps.theartofcharm.com. Note the two dots in there, or give us a call here in the office, triple eight four one three seven one seven seven, or even email me Jordan at theartofcharm.com. I do read everything. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys here at the Art of Charm. Now, today we're talking with Linda Galindo. She's a consultant, author, speaker, educator. She teaches leaders how to bring accountability into their organizations to significantly improve performance. And hold on, if you're not a leader in an organization, We're gonna apply this to your relationship, too. She also wrote a book called The 85% Solution and Way to Grow. I see what you did there. And we're gonna talk about how we spend the first 20 years of our lives shirking accountability and getting really good at it and how we need to break those habits in order to be successful and in order for our relationships and our companies to be successful. Talking to people, not about people, how gossip breeds mistrust, how accountability isn't a contest or even a 50-50 split, and accountability in relationships, not just at work. So enjoy this one with Linda Galindo. So tell us a little bit about what you do, because I don't want to just read your bio. So I know you wrote a book called The 85% Solution, Way to Grow. You co-authored a book called Where Winners Live, and you essentially teach leaders how to bring accountability into their organizations, but that could mean a lot of things. It sounds like do your homework, right? Right. Very
1: much so. So when people say, what do you do? My answer is I teach accountability to leaders and organizations. They're trying to bring accountability into the company. And the reaction to that is always what promotes the explanation. The reaction is, how is that working for you that you spend your day teaching leaders accountability? Or I know someone who really needs that. So it is a fascinating thing to be teaching accountability day in and day out with the leader in the room, because people resonate with it right away. Right. Like, I really know people who want that, but they are not exactly sure what it is. Intuitively, they're on board. But when you get down to the specifics, they want, well, like, give me an example. Tell me how that really rolls.
0: Yeah, because for me, I'm thinking, yeah, accountability, I want that you know, at work and I want it for myself. Well, maybe not totally for myself if it's going to be annoying, but definitely for everyone else. Also, what is it?
1: (laughs) Everybody knows what it isn't and everybody's afraid of it, but everybody wants it. Fascinating.
0: Right. Yeah. Sounds about right.
1: So I have to go in and get clear about, you know, first of all, what drives you crazy about accountability and when you don't have accountability and How does it actually show up that you're sure everybody else needs it? So we get into that conversation. And you're not in that conversation more than five minutes before everybody can relate.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it just sounds like the first thing you need to learn about accountability is what it actually means. because. I'm, no all jokes aside, when we started implementing this at the Yard of Charm, we did it because we were like, why is nobody doing anything important and yet everybody's always busy? We realized we weren't ever going to move the ball if everybody was just like, hmm, what should I do today? Oh, I should totally write that book about that thing. And then six months later, we're like, where's that book? Oh, I have some notes. There's no milestones. You don't know. And we're trying to blame somebody because nobody's on the hook. So it's, oh, I thought AJ was going to do that. Well, I thought you were going to do that. And then we we just kind of realized we're gonna fail unless we implement this. So we started to put some things into play and we saw we maybe did 10 to 15 percent were of that right, and we were just crushing it. I mean, we had hand over fist growth in just every every single metric that we could find when we started implementing accountability.
1: So you say a very important thing because it required you to overcome beliefs and attitudes about accountability that would make it feel really negative and not as fun and uh, everybody's sort of just doing things and, boy, I love my job because there's not a lot of accountability anywhere, but then it tips over into this place of nothing's getting done. I'm getting really frustrated. So when people get to that point of I'm getting frustrated, we're getting things done, but it's just taking too much and it's, you know, unclear, all those kinds of things, then this idea sets in of we need some structure or we need some clarity. And so what happens is accountability does start to move in. And how is it defined? If you look back at it, how it's defined is ownership for results, good or bad. So in order to have ownership for results, you have to be clear about what results you want. So people will say, I was busy all day. And the next question behind that, in an accountability world, is what result did you produce? I don't know. I was just busy all day, and right. so then people just don't feel good about this environment in which we say the word but we don't really have it.
0: Yeah, of course, because that's the name of the game. And it's funny because I noticed that smart—tell me what you think. I noticed that smart people do this a lot because when we're in school. We, we're bored to tears, right? We just like want to claw our eyes out the whole time. Everything we're doing is boring. We finish it all in five minutes. But you can't just finish everything in five minutes because you think it's stupid or kind of half-ass something else because you think it's stupid. You need to sort of play the game. So we spend the first 18 or whatever or 22 or whatever when you go to college years of your life kind of dodging accountability and getting really good at it so that you can do other stuff. And then when it comes down to actually being productive and getting measured on results, say, even in your own company, you've got to undo all of those habits.
1: And stop equating that structure and need to answer for results with something that is unpleasant and you don't want to do it. That, that is what I deal with on a daily basis. Yesterday was working with a company of young people, and the company is growing exponentially. And when I say young, I say 30-year-old leaders. They're in their 30s, maybe early 30s. And one of them said, and I laughed, he said, yeah, these young people are, you know, the millennials are just not accountable like they need to be. They don't understand. And I'm, you know, have a good 20 years on the 30-year-old leaders, and I'm saying, You know, the concept isn't generational. The concept is something in which you can only demonstrate personal accountability. You can't mandate it. You can't bring me in here and train those who just got out of college and were dodging the whole accountability equation, doing what they really wanted to be doing. You really have to understand if you're talking about accountability, you have something in mind in terms of what it looks like and the result you get from it and that you want everybody else to be accountable. But then you got to look at your own behavior. Yeah. Would you be interested in knowing what the top three behaviors are that they have to look at across the board when I bring accountability into the organization?
0: Sure. Yeah. I'd love to hear where everybody, I love nothing more than hearing about where people are blowing it. So yes.
1: The top three things where, this, you know, I just say, look, I can just Jump to what you've got to do to put accountability in play at the leadership level personally so you have this thing you call accountability baked into your culture. Number one, talk to not about each other as leaders. You got a problem with a leader, a coworker, someone that is your peer, someone sitting right across from you at the big table, then talk to them. Do not talk about them. It's unaccountable. You can't be counted on if you're somebody who just doesn't know how to have that conversation and talk to them when you're frustrated or you think you're both on the same page, but you see someone behaving off the page and you talk about them to someone else. The second other people around you hear that, they know what they're dealing with. Because if you're doing it about someone else not in the room, you're probably doing it about them. And so you're not trusted so number one so that you really really get this tight united leadership group is we agree we'll talk to not about each other that's doable right
0: uh that would be a tough habit to break i think <laughs> not high
1: school it's you know grow up and it's time to just sit with that person and talk to them it's a missing skill and art so that's number one number two no meetings after the meeting not the good ones where you to implement and execute on the plan or strategy, the other kind of meeting after the meeting. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, where you go, all right, well, you know, that guy, I don't really like that guy anyway, and, like, that plan sucks, and I'm not going to pull my end of that one, and then we'll just wait it out or whatever.
1: Exactly. In the stairwell, the parking lot, somebody's cubicle, you know, it's, it's pulling everything off track when we're spending time as probably the most compensated in the organization at the leadership level, even if we have maybe a board or we have an advisory board or we have, you know, people that help us to really stay on track with leadership. And then we go and do this thing, which is a meeting after the meeting, and start just pulling it off track. And even more unbelievable at times is that when people say, okay, so are we clear? Does anyone have any questions? people who are not clear and do have questions don't raise their hand and get clear. What's personal accountability? I'm accountable to be clear. And if it means I have to be brave and risk that I don't understand or I don't see how this works or how it is going to work with the resources we have, then I raise my own hand and say, I need clarification. So personal accountability In those situations, really does require understanding that accountability is carried in how you language things. You know, you were not clear versus I'm not clear. I'm going to ask clarifying questions because I want to understand and I want to own this fully and I want to be a good leader. And that's what good leaders do. They're brave and they expose and are vulnerable to. I don't see it and I need some input or clarification.
0: So, how do we begin this process if maybe we don't own a business? I mean, do these principles carry over into, you know, your your regular life outside the office?
1: You may not own a business, but you may work for people. Number 1, number 2. Yeah, in everyday situations where you have friends or you have relationships where um uh, there's a there's frustration in our relationships, then it's all about making sure that if you are you know, being the person that someone vents to, that you keep that confidence and that you, you encourage them to talk to not about other people. You just, come, you, you become that go-to person for the right reason, but not because you jump into some casual conversation about a person that is uh, undermining them in some way. So whether you're talking to not about or the meeting after the meeting translates into just our network of friends. And, and the extent to which we participate in that, you know, it leaves a lasting impression. And so you want to you be sure that you are behaving towards others and talking about others in a way that is leaving you in integrity, and people don't wonder if you can be trusted.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me as well, because of course, when somebody does say something and then does another, you're thinking, oh, is that you classify that person totally differently than and you would often, normally.
1: And I often uh, tend in my relationships to interrupt when someone starts talking about someone I don't know negatively, or I find a reason to excuse myself, oh, i got to take this call, you know, any of those things, because that, that predisposition can be pretty nasty. If you don't know the person and you're overhearing something, it's really hard to dismiss it when you actually meet them. And in friend networks, it's like, well, that's not my experience of that person at all. And so it feels uncomfortable to, to jump in when, you know, you haven't had your own experience yet.
0: Sure. Yeah, that, that actually, that, that's actually a good point, right? Because if you hear, oh, man, John's such a jerk. What a, what a dipstick. You know, he doesn't get anything done. And then you hear that three or four times, and then you meet John, you're like, I don't want to even talk to this guy. He's a, he's a loser. Yeah. The guy saying that had all kinds of other reasons for it you know, he dated his sister or something like that, and John's totally normal. Everyone else likes him. But you're suddenly you give him them the stink eye and he's wondering why.
1: And it's being aware of that and your your ownership yourself, your personal accountability of deciding that you're gonna live by your own experience and opinion of people. And it's a it's a definite strength. And people definitely remember that you're someone who's really fair and doesn't jump into all of that stuff, it's really important. If you don't uh, start paying attention to how you just sort of go along with the group rather than pull, pull into your own personal accountability, then you don't stand out. And what tends to happen, if we're not careful, is not holding ourselves accountable starts to then just move into this malaise in everything we're doing. We're not. Then we need to be held accountable. And in the workplace, in our job, or in a leadership position, what starts to happen that everybody then has to deal with is this, not holding people accountable for what they need to be doing and professionally behaving in a workplace punishes the best performers.
0: How does that work? You know, you hear about this a lot, right? Someone I know is in this situation recently where... You know, she works in this office, there's a guy who just never did anything, and he wouldn't even abide by the damn dress code, he was always sort of bad-mouthing the boss, and it made everyone uncomfortable, because you don't do that. And then people would, the boss or the workflow director would come up and say, hey, you know, can you take this over for Adam? He's, you know, he's a little bit behind the curve, and everyone, and basically what's happening is, everyone's doing this chump's work, but everyone gets the same pay, because they started at the same time, this guy's leaving at 4.30, everybody else is staying till 7. And she's like, instead of saying, you know, just this guy's a cancer, he's a problem, she's like, I want to quit. This is stupid. This company sucks.
1: Happens all the time. What's up with that? Well, first of all, if you're the one that's getting their work done for them, who's the dumb one in that equation? So they figure out that to be rescued, fixed, and saved is available where they are and that that's what people will do and so they fully utilize it and if you're the person who's saying it's just easier to do it myself than to deal with this person and then we make everybody else stay late and take care of it then it's a match made in heaven as far as the person that's getting taken care of is concerned well what is that that is I don't want to sit and hold this person accountable maybe they Have a piece of the pie that, you know, people just need and it's too much trouble to let them go and rehire another person. But it does, it does get exactly to the point you're getting to where people, the best performers say, this is ridiculous. I'm tired of doing this person's work. I'm out of here. And the opportunity is if I'm that type of person that is given the work of the underperformer saying something, because I'm going to leave anyway. You know, I have a concern. I keep doing the work of this other individual. I want more interesting work. I want to stretch. I want things that you and you can give to me and know it's off the plate so that you have time to deal with this person. That doesn't get said very often. No. But when I talk to the leaders of organizations and I reveal this kind of dynamic that goes on, they do become more receptive to listening to people who say, "You know what? I'm really done doing the underperformer's work." So you either need to go and hold them accountable, or I'm not, I'm done, I'm out of here.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because the leader of the organization or, or social circle or whatever sort of microcosm we're in, they might know what's going on and they just think, well, this is the team coming together and they have to do it. They don't necessarily note or do the calculation in their head that all their best performers are getting less and less happy because you have a loser in the middle of the organization.
1: Very common, and sometimes the loser takes advantage of it because they're technically competent, and maybe they're the only one who does that skill at the level they're doing it, but the interpersonal dynamic and the the junk they leave behind or are creating isn't worth it. You know, people say, we'll work short if you'll just get rid of them, and don't be that guy is, is the message on personal accountability. It's like, don't be that guy. The, the quality of, of personal accountability and how it improves relationships is not understood widely because they're getting what they want and think it's working. And, the, you know, somewhere it's going to be a hard lesson that they're not uh the, all that great and that the whole idea of being, um you know, taken care of and, and an opportunity to say, you need me and that I'm the only one who can do this and you're going to have to rescue fix and save what i don't do is going to go away at some point they're going to realize or the next organization or the next place that's not going to work anymore people yeah. are done with that
0: yeah that's that's excellent i mean does this happen in relationships, the work stuff aside, whatever? Does this happen in interpersonal relationships like with just regular couples? To some at some level I would imagine accountability has to be there or not there and that that's causing problems when it isn't.
1: It does. I it is, you know, are you on time? Do you show up when you say you're going to show up? Do I value The time with you and putting up with all the things around that that aren't optimal to let you not be accountable and to not keep your word and not to follow through or to not be clear and to keep you, you're keeping your options open. All those kinds of things translate into someone who doesn't seem like they're very accountable. And, you know, there's always that period of, well, are we in this relationship to be in a long-term relationship or are we in this relationship just to check things out, you know, what is that? But we're, what we're really doing is we're checking out each other's accountability level for owning the relationship working. So accountability in a relationship, and I would extrapolate it to marriage or living together or permanence in some way. The ones that work are going to work longer term if the mindset of the individual is, I have 100% personal accountability for this working And you have 100% personal accountability for this working, not 50-50. You get into it 50-50, it's going to be a dependency. You're going to get this neediness going on. There are people who have an opportunity in their lives, not just personally, not professionally, but in total, who understand there's this 100% personal accountability available to them. And that they own it all individually and collectively at the same time. So I have my role, my behavior, how I see the world, that's mine, and you have yours. And we each have a hundred percent. And so that makes it a whole nother, you know, space to interact in and support each other. And so the relationship is the support of each other in that hundred percent, not the logistics of the relationship. How long do you Spend with me, you know. Do you want your friends? When do you want to spend time with me? Do you are you married to your work? It's you know, it's none of that. It is, I have total personal responsibility and accountability for this relationship working, and I want to be in it. Whole different way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think it starts to dip in a lot into every area of your life. I mean, for me, I screen people for our live training programs that we have here at the Art of Charm, and one of the things that I hear a lot is, well, you know, this happened when I was younger and this, and I, I hear all these sort of red flags that are, if I get enough of them, I don't like the person to come to our training programs because they're going to be a real pain in the, in the, you know what. um, And it, it's often something like, well, my parents, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, it, you, you don't have to have the leave it to for childhood, but if you're blaming your parents because you're 40 and you don't have what you want in life, it's kind of like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? And I've met a guy, I had a client a long time ago before one of the people who inspired my current screening process. He was a doctor, and he it seemed like he had that going for him, but everything else in his life was completely in the toilet. No social life, the guy basically lived with his mom, he had a bad back, he didn't have a good social circle. And when you talk to him, his whole mission in life was just to prove about, prove To everyone, and especially to himself, about how nothing could be done about his situation.
1: And when you hear yourself talking like that about things that are not working in your life, it goes to the first chapter of the book, The 85% Solution, where the huge aha occurred for me, and a whole bunch of other things started to, to go from there. And it was when a friend said to me, as I was complaining for the hundredth time, about how my life was not working out, she said, have you ever noticed you're always there when those things don't work?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're the common denominator, right? You are the
1: common denominator. It's like, I really don't like you right now. That wasn't very nice. That's a horrible thing to say. And it was something that did not let go of my thinking because, yeah, my parents, my mom, you know, my last relationship, my workplace, my boss, and it's like, but you're always there, so then it becomes well, you know what, Linda? I want to be around you and I want to be your friend. I understand everything for you that's not working, but here's the question: what is success to you what what is working? What does that even look like? You see all the things not working, so like your friend who was a physician, I'm a physician, well, I was a radio newscaster, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And I was, I actually had a fabulous job. I was great with radio, but you know, there's all these other elements of my life that were not working. And she said, and you're always there when that happens. So what is success to you if it's not just your job? And that got the whole ball rolling to say, you know what, I need to get a grip and stop blaming other people for the fact that things are not working out. I don't even know what working out means. I just know I'm not having it.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. You're the common denominator. You're always, I love that. Because it's really hard to see your own role in not getting or attracting what you want in a partner or, or your life. Do you feel like it's sourced by a lack of personal accountability? I mean, is that the moral of the story?
1: Well, it starts with probably wanting to be right first. Yeah. So, you know what, like somebody will say, well, you don't have this, and you can do that, and all these other things happened, and, and then you start to say, yes, but I am right about the reason here. I am right. Because there's right behind that a consequence if you're not right about it, and it really is you. Sure. you know, Then it is, you're right. This victim thing I do or this low self-esteem thing I do isn't going to get the payoff anymore. And that's why a lot of people don't want to be totally personally accountable for themselves and clear and continually redefining success and taking ownership of it as they go and just closing the door on anybody or anything they can blame or excuse. Because what are they seeing over and over and over again in the media, in society in general, not being accountable, getting rewarded as much or more than being accountable? So if you can work the angle and get the payoff and not be accountable, if it didn't work or it was not ethical or not right, but you still get the payoff, why would you adopt being totally personally accountable if you could get the payoff for not being accountable? And those, the, those situations over and over again, you see high wealth individuals at times kind of slip through the system. It's not that they're doing things that are illegal, but they may be doing things that are not you know, ethical. And, and you'll hear that all the time. But what you see is, you know, again, wealth and having things and, and get, and playing an angle or a loophole. And, you, you know, you could call it wrong or bad, but how it's interpreted is, well, they weren't accountable and they got the reward. So, you know, why shouldn't I? So people want to play that angle of, not being totally personally accountable or going ahead and doing something that isn't really above board and right, but it's not illegal. And they <laughs> say, yeah, and I did that. I know I did that and, and I'll take everything that comes with it. But they always have sort of an inauthentic quality to them. You know, you like the stuff they have, but you may not like them so much.
0: Yeah, there's, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But how do we turn this around? Because rethinking our personal accountability, that can put you in, a, in an awkward space for a while, an you know, awkward headspace. And a lot of times you probably have to look at your environment too, right? What if your friends are those people that you don't like much, but you like what they have? It's kind of hard to get out of this. I would imagine it's hard to get out of that thinking when you're surrounded by those kinds of people.
1: I would say that you know the, the, the question is, how do I get out of it? I have to ask myself a couple of questions. One question I got to ask myself is, What's the alternative if what I choose to do is get out of it and be very clear about defining success for myself? Another very powerful, often referred to chapter in the 85% solution where we talk about I'm totally personally responsible for my success in life, but I've got to define it. And people are terrified to do that because what is the downside? The downside is, okay, now I've defined success, but everybody around me right now is not in that same mindset and they're going to, I need to kind of shift who I interact with and oh no, maybe I'll be alone. Maybe, you know, having sort of sad sack friends is better than nothing and then I'll have to face myself and that's very scary. But any success story where people kind of dig deep and start creating who and what they really want to be and use their full human potential often get to that point. And and you could just intuitively feel it's scary. So right now, especially with uh, the opportunity with technology jobs and how fast things are changing and that kids in college today are going to have seven or more careers, not jobs, the idea of I have to self-actualize no one's going to do this for me, there's no such thing as security anymore, can really push people to say, you know what, I'm going to have to invent this, but there is a price to pay. So I think there's going to be enough individuals who are demonstrating that it is doable. The young generation, the millennials who grew, who were born into technology and are creating all kinds of new ventures and ideas are going to demonstrate that you can let go of those really old ideas that you need a secure job and a secure set of friends. It's just opening everything up to say, that all changes all the time, and I can still be accountable for what I'm doing and make my choices. It is tough, though, because you're going to be by yourself for a while.
0: Right, yeah, you're on your own in large part. And we talk a lot at The Art of Charm, especially... When it comes to boot camps about creating a uh, a team of people around you that have your back, if you will because absolutely that's crucial to success especially especially if you're moving outside of your office outside of your career outside of your job, you need that team around you, and we like to to be there for our clients as, as that team at least in the beginning especially and and
1: you 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 say something very very important about that team you have you have a team at your back because for you to fully develop, actualize, be accountable, you have to self-empower. Someone isn't going to come and bonk you on the head and say, we empower you to be your best self. To be your best self and to be that person that attracts that type of person, you have to self-empower and that requires you to take risk. It's not a safe bet at all. It is take risk, try things that scare you. It's it's like it's why my very favorite quote is, we gain strength and courage and confidence by each experience in which we really stop to look fear in the face and we do the thing we, we cannot do. That's Eleanor Roosevelt. Love the quote because you've got to do risky stuff. But here's why I do risky stuff now as a business owner, um, as someone who you know wants to get involved in solving social problems and saying things directly out loud, the emperor is naked type things. Because I have a great support system of other people who are like-minded. Exactly what you're saying. You've got to have that team because it is hard. You don't do it alone. There are people who will say, you totally blew that, but we, we have your back. You're okay. You've got to take risks. You've got to be brave. And if you'll do that, then you're that type of person that attracts those individuals who are authentic and not superficial And in that sort of world of, you know, gaining material possession, they're gaining something far more important, which is that quality of relationship that endures your whole life.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely makes sense. Those are tough to find. So when you get them, they're golden, you need to keep them. Yeah. Of course. So how do we start to change our accountability? I mean, you have a system for that in the book. I'd love to talk a little bit about that.
1: The The... Step to changing the whole idea of where is accountability in my own life is is asking yourself, are you getting the results you want day in and day out? So uh, the opportunity begins with, am I getting the results I want or not? And if the answer is a no, then what clear agreement do I need to make with myself so that when I get up every day, it's this opportunity to fully utilize. The same 100% everybody else has. There's no law or rule or anything that says you can have other than 100% personal accountability for yourself. So here's where to start as a way to think about it so that you can see where you are on this map right now. Let's say you are going into uh, having surgery. I hope this never happens to anybody listening, but let's just say you're the person... Who's going to be on that table and have medical surgery? And before you uh, go under the anesthesia that the anesthesiologist administers to you and you go fast asleep for the surgery, you get to look at every single person that's going to touch you and in some way and ask them one to one eye contact on a scale of zero to 100%. How much personal accountability are you taking for this being a good outcome? What answer do you want from every single person that's going to touch you in that
0: surgery? (laughs) You want a pretty good, honest answer.
1: You have like what? You want 50-50? I'm here for my part. These other people have to do the rest.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good point. No, you'll be fine. That's what I want to hear.
1: You want to hear, I take 100% personal accountability for you having a good outcome as your nurse. And then the surgeon says, I take 100% personal accountability as your surgeon. And the, anesthesi- the anesthesiologist says, I take 100%. So, but that isn't how the world you walk into every day. No. The world you walk into is, well, as long as, you know, you're nice to me or this surgeon talks to me well or I get rewarded the resources I need be as long as in your life is where you want, you know, people to, Start closing that gap. So everything we walk into, like getting on an airplane, don't you want everybody who's making sure the airplane takes off and lands safely and in the right place, is a hundred percent accountable for their role in what they're doing?
0: Yeah, of course, that would be nice. That would yeah, be reassuring.
1: So you have to see in the process of the book what I'm pointing out to people is that. Your motivation, your energy, your commitment, how much you love, you know, the fact that this is just really cool, you get up every day and get to do stuff, and you're that person that other people are attracted to, is starting with, where's my 100% on anything I'm doing? Is it, well, it's a 100% as long as, you know, my mother doesn't call and ask me if I'm, you know, got a job yet, or as long as the... My girlfriend, you know, understands that I just don't feel like, you know, doing this or that today, you know, the as long as in somebody's life. That's where it just sort of seeps in and starts this malaise. And so the book, one idea after another starts saying, do you have an as long as here? Do you have an as long as here? Well, you might want to look at that because it doesn't allow you to show up as a hundred percent. And there's, it's so rare. Most of the time that, uh, people don't understand, like if you have a sales job and, well, as long as I agree with the sales goal, uh, as long as, you know, you give me the resources I need, as long as I get the time I need to do all that, as long as just totally takes away from someone's persona about being totally personally accountable. So what do you do? You start looking at, do I, do I think at 100% or am I, do I make exceptions and rationalize and ex- Excuse. Mm-hmm. very unattractive if you do
0: yeah yeah so what do we do when we catch those rationalizations and those excuses
1: you have someone in your life that says knock it off seriously I'm not buying that so now in coaching I you know you hear this all the time that people have coaches or what the art of charm offers the people who enroll to say I want to really be on top of my game it's i'm going to hand you permission to tase me when i'm you know doing that really kind of unattractive whiny as long ass thing because it goes back to so what do you really want and and some people are perfectly fine you know not wanting other than high quality challenge learning in their life and then it just kind of integrates right into their personal life as well that's all just really well rounded in terms of, you know, I don't work incessantly, I don't, my relationship isn't my life. Um It's, it's just well-rounded. It's things I want to do physically, mentally, and spiritually that, you know, make me fully human. But there's someone in your life that is committed to your success. And if there isn't, find someone, because at the end of the day, When you have that commitment, so if I said to you, so Jordan, I really understand where you want to go and what you want to do, and I check in with you, and I listen to where you've sold yourself out or rationalized your excuse, I just coach you back into being on point. Do you really want this? And I know doing it alone is hard. So yeah, use me as a resource. It's like a diet or a physical coach. You know, you you are accountable to them because you know on your own, you're a little weak with that. And so you put it in place and you let them, you let them, you know, poke you, and make sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You want somebody who's going to hold your feet to the fire.
1: Now, if it's the, your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your, you know, somebody in your life that you say, I don't want you to be that person in my life. That it feels like nagging. You have to be careful who you choose. It's not just by, uh, by virtue of we're in this relationship.
0: That's a it's good point. It's by
1: your self-starting improvement and somebody that you've given permission to do that. And then the, the boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever in your life gets the benefit of it. But sometimes it's not a good idea to have them be that person.
0: Now back to the show. Right, because you might be looking for to vent or get some support and if they're like, Well, you're blah 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 you might just be like, No, I don't want that right now. I want I don't want you holding me accountable right now. I want I want some support here and other times they're giving you support and then they have to read your mind and so you might need one person who's gonna do that all the time and not the person who you're you're supposed to be able to complain to when that time comes.
1: Well you come home from something and work maybe or a a team sport, you know, and you're complaining about your teammates and how so-and-so was an idiot and didn't make the play. And then then the person says to you, well, you know, you need to look at the fact that you are not the easiest person to get along with. And you're like, shut up. That's not why I was telling you this. I don't need to be, you know, coached in other than exactly what happened and how I was behaving. That's in the, you know, the bigger picture. If you're like that all the time and you just sort of complain and, The person just wants to say, you know, I want to give you some feedback here. You have a role in this, and it's not surprising. They don't, you know, that that makes for an icky relationship. Versus saying, you know, I don't want to be with this person. This is ridiculous. They're never going to change. They're not accountable. It doesn't. It's not. It does. It doesn't attract that kind of. Why are you telling me this? Just to be sympathetic and to to understand that sometimes you had a bad game or something went wrong at work or because fundamentally I want you to change. And if it's, I want you to change, then you need to relook at whether this is the right relationship for you or not.
0: Sure. Sure. Okay. And what about developing accountability behaviors, say at work? Do we pick a person? Is there more to it? Because I feel like at work, this is where this is really obviously applicable for everybody listening as well.
1: So vital to reducing your stress. If you will pick someone at work and say, you know what I really want to make sure I do is be that person that is responsible. So when we're in meetings together, responsible is going into things. That's my mindset going in. So let's all say we have this hundred percent available to us. And so am, am I, am I? working to be clear. And when you hear me in a meeting, raising my hand, being clear, is it coming across well? You know, getting someone to really help me with a view of my interpersonal skills. This is really, really important. So many people, you know, are very talented and very skilled at doing something, maybe technically or maybe in presentation, etc. But when it comes off, In meeting other people, interpersonal skills are so critical, but but people are not persistent about getting feedback about the effectiveness of their interpersonal skills. So you have this opportunity, if we, you and I work together, Jordan, to say, you know what? When you see me in a meeting, I'd love feedback later to understand was I effective. So I want to take ownership of it up front so that I know I'm going to get feedback coming out of it. And that sounds kind of weird at work, but I can tell you really put you ahead of the game if you're, you know, willing to be that person that works on interpersonal skill. And then it, the person gives you feedback and says, you, you know, asked the question, but it came across as a challenge. It was kind of aggressive. So why don't you try using I messages instead of you? You know, you could have said that same thing by saying, I'm concerned that the resources are not clear instead of you are not making the resources clear. I mean, something like that where they're just giving you an outside perspective of how it's coming across so that you have to take a risk. That's the the second step. Is like I have this person in my life who helps me take ownership going in and then I have to take a risk to act on what they're telling me. So I'm going to empower myself with this guidance and then try it out and then they give you this feedback, the, the after part that says, you're getting more accountable. I can see it. You're experiencing this way that is more accountable because you said, you know, I tried it and it felt really uncomfortable and I was uncomfortable, but it worked better. And that's accountability. I'm going to answer for it. So I take ownership, I take risk, and I answer for. That's the cycle of being a highly accountable person. But it is it is with someone who is committed to your success at work that experiences you and is willing to give you feedback not tell you what you want to hear.
0: Right. Yeah, you don't need yes men around you. It's hard because you almost have to ha- like have a your ego surgically removed in order to make this really really work.
1: Not a bad thing because your your ego is where you become inauthentic and hard to reach and it's just sort of the show versus you know really getting to know yourself and being this high quality person that you know, people can relate to right away. And and understanding if you're that kind of person or not, and if you're not, why not? And it's, you know, usually people will say, uh, I work in a lot of technology or uh, situations where there are technology teams. And the, the off-putting part of some people is that they're just so smart, they don't understand why people don't value them. You know, I I I've, I've solved this. I've fixed these things. I'm the go-to person, but they put they just turn people off, and they they don't see themselves as accountable for the quality of the relationships they experience. And and that's a a really amazing mindset when somebody thinks I'm totally personally accountable for the quality of the relationships I experience. And so if something is off, the first thing they ask themselves is not, how is this my fault? It's, how am I contributing to this? Well, I'm talking about them behind their back. Or I'm not addressing something with them one to one. I always have people around and it's, you know, I, I just don't want to express it or deal with it because it feels like it's going to be a conflict. So that's the very first thing you could do. It's, it's, what are your expectations in relationships? And something really powerful to know, really powerful to know, we discuss this in, in the book about relationship, and it is the source of all conflict you have in a relationship is a mix, a missed expectation. So when you get mad at someone, you're not getting along with someone. It's because the expectation you have in your head is not getting met over there with that person. So instead of saying, you are making me mad, which we've heard all the time, it's, the reason I'm upset is because I expected this, it didn't happen, and that's what, what I'm upset about.
0: It does. It does make sense. so there's like this non-communicated disparity between what you expect from that person and what that person delivers or whatever. And it's like when, when people, I don't know, I hear this a lot, like there's, there's a guy I know is a really popular, sort of trendy, if you will, spirituality guy out here in California. And he's not a very friendly guy, but he pre- <laughs> he preaches all this sort of like, you know, love yourself and remove your ego and all this crap, right? So, or, or good stuff, whatever way you want to look at it. And then when you, people try to talk to him, he's like, whatever, and just kind of blows him off and goes and does his thing. And he's not very smiley or, or generally known as not a nice person. And so I brought that up to somebody I know who's like a super fan of him. And he gave me the best reply ever and he goes, yeah, it's probably just from somebody who expected him to be a certain way and then he wasn't. And I thought, that is brilliant because if you expect this person to just be super welcoming and, and loving and everything because that's what they preach and maybe they should rethink their strategy and they're not that way, you don't think, oh, well, he's busy and he's got his thing. You think, what a jerk. This guy's a faker. He's not doing what he says he's doing. He's, he's inauthentic. This person is bad.
1: And if you want to bring that home and you want to bring that to work, one of the most powerful things you can do is tell the truth about the following question. I mean, tell the truth, write down what is the truth about this question, answering this question for yourself. What's absolutely necessary to have this relationship work? So when you think about it in terms of a a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, parents, boss, And and just ask yourself, what's absolutely necessary to have this relationship with my spouse work, with my boyfriend to work, with my boss to work? It's it's a different vertical for each one. But you look and you say, let me look at what that is. And if you have a really long list that answers that question, it's really hard to get along with you. Mm -hmm. And you say, you know, I choose my expectations being met over you. And then then you move on to the next person, and guess what? Yeah. After a while, after the fifth or sixth relationship, you start to realize the person doesn't exist, number one. And number two, the things that most irritate you about others is true about you.
0: Yeah, sure. I've, I've noticed that in myself as well, and, in, and many people have. And I was just talking about this with AJ, uh, the head instructor here at the Art of Charm, and he was like, you know why so-and-so hates this other guy? Because they're exactly alike. And I thought, that is so true. (laughs) One guy, you know, they're they're just shades of the same person. And these guys didn't get along at all. And we were like, what is the problem here? Why are you guys so emo, you know, when it comes to one another? And they were just mirror images. And they didn't respect each other. And they didn't like each other. And they were always in conflict with one another. And it was kind of just, like, ridiculous. (laughs) And AJ pointed out, yeah, they're just, they're too similar. They're so similar. They have the same insecurities. And so they're driving each other crazy because they can cl- see these things really clearly in one another, and they're wondering why does jo- why did Jordan and AJ work with this idiot? Look at him; he's X Y Z and A B and C. Come on, guys, get your act together. And then we look at them and we go, ah, it's the same thing. So we fired both of them. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so
1: but the opportunity for me when I'm in stress or when I'm noticing other people are in stress is not to tell them what. That they shouldn't expect that, et cetera, et cetera. It's simply to say, look at the expectation that's not being met and express it. My expectation was that that kind of thing would be told to the person, not to me, and that's why I'm upset. So you really get this opportunity to be totally responsible for your stress level, et cetera. And then the more profound and most profound thing is that when you accept people how they are, you've moved to that place where you accept yourself how you are. And when you're in close proximity with someone who has something unacceptable, they're a gift. You can look at them that way. I mean, at the time it's happening, not so much, but, but they're a gift and they teach you about you. And if you look at it that, from that perspective, again, you're this, this person that people really appreciate because you're not judgmental. You're just really there for them. And your conditions are out of the way. So what I I find interesting is that real relationship happens when it's unconditional between you. I accept you how you are. You accept me how I am. I accept me how I am. And that's a life endeavor for sure. But if you're aware of it and you have the courage to tell the truth about what your expectations really are and you you know, don't fall in love with the image, you fall in love with the whole person and the the whole idea of the work or the job you're doing, then there's not a lot of conditions around there and you don't get sucked into all of that stuff. So I found that, you know, incredibly confronting personally to say, all these people don't measure up, they're all, you know, like this They're not like me, but the list was so long, it was impossible. The person just, nobody would measure up and it was a function of me. So that's what we call it—the 85% solution. Because you get to 85% of that 100 that is yours. It acknowledges 15% lands on your head. But there are things that you're not going to give up as an expectation. But if you're, you know, mostly holding on to and realizing 85 out of that 100% is yours, then you look to yourself first more often than not, and you're not this external complaining kind of victimized person you're actually quite powerful and that 15% lands on your head but you won't complain about it you'll start working on well how do i fix this and the book is just one example after another that you'll recognize so that when you run into that situation you don't do what you know makes you look like you don't own your life and makes it gives you an option to make a much better choice
0: thanks so much is there anything that i haven't asked you that you want to add
1: The only thing I would make sure that you take away from the conversation is that in a world that's changing so much, it is the only constant. Define success for yourself. People want you to be successful, so define what it is so they can say, I'm totally committed to your success. Your success is my success. And so first have a definition for yourself and have someone champion that with you. And second, Turn your sights outward to to other individuals to say, and I want to be committed to your success too. It's a win-win all the way around.
0: Super. Thanks so much, Linda Galindo. Of course, we're going to link to your book in the show notes. Appreciate your time and your wisdom.
1: Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it.
0: Great one with Linda Galindo. Really, really clear communicator. It's like she's done this before. Check out our book, The 85% Solution. It's going to be linked up in the show notes. And I find it so interesting. We do really spend the first 20 plus years of our life figuring out, especially if you're smart, figuring out how to work around systems. And then you get out in the real world and you've got to build your own and really be accountable not only to other people, but to yourself. And that can be a really hard habit to build. And some of the bad habits that we have, gossiping, talking about people, stuff like that, can be tough ones to break. And the 100% accountability for each person so that we're all totally and personally accountable for our own success and that of others is a life changer. And I know that if, if people out there are listening and they're like, whoa, I get that, that's gonna be something you might remember for the rest of your life, and I hope that's the case. If you liked it or if you didn't like it, show feedback and guest suggestions. The show's a fanarchy, right? It means controlled by you, and we rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know, jordan at theartofcharm.com. And if you enjoyed this one, Don't forget to thank Linda on Twitter. We're going to have her Twitter linked up in the show notes in our bootcamp live training program details, bootcamps.theartofcharm.com. Remember, two dots in there. And if you're listening to this, but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, that needs to change. I mean, wherever you subscribe, just subscribe. Getting the show delivered overnight, directly to your brain, or at least directly to your phone, is the greatest way to make sure you don't miss anything. And of course, we have our iPhone and Android apps available free of charge, theartofcharm.com slash iPhone or slash Android get it directly from the source the second it comes out and it's ready for you in the morning special thanks to the jasons for their help in production of the art of charm podcast and for god's sake tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else either in person or share it on the web and now have a great week and go out there and get social and leave everything and everyone better than you found them happy holidays